This is Golf with Jay Delsing. A two-time college All-American at UCLA. A participant in nearly 700 PGA Tour events. Seven professional wins to his credit. Over 30 years of professional golf experience. A member of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Hey, good morning. Golf with Jay Delsing here. I am your host, Jay Pearl. What's going on this morning? Just ready to go, Jay. Excited about this show. You've got another super, superstar, almost uh, maybe one of the all-time greats, or definitely one of the all-time greats, and looking forward to uh, talking about him, Tom Watson. Well, first of all, we got to give you a couple creds here. All-American at UCLA, caddied over 100 PGA Tour events. Who can say that in the life? Successful businessman, got a, several dollar bills in your pocket, lover of the game, author. What else have you done, Pearl? You're a, you are a hell of a fisherman, I will say that. There's only been a couple of times where I feel like I've ever outfished you. Not that I'm competitive or keeping track at all. <laughs> what makes you upset about that? You can obviously tell I'm not over it, am I? <laughs> Apparently not. Hey, I, I absolutely love to fish. And as you know, there's a lot of golfers that like to fish. I'm not sure what, maybe it's just the patience thing. Golf needs it and fishing needs it or a competitive thing, or being outdoors thing, or all of the above thing. But there's plenty of us golfers that like to like to do a little fishing. We formatted the show like around the golf. The first segment is called the On the Range segment, and it's brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Guys, you got to check out the Stealth Driver. I've been hawking that for a couple months now. You've got to check out the Stealth Fairway Woods are awesome. I'm actually going to start messing around with a little three-wood, which... I never thought that was possible because I love, love, love my old faithful three-wood. We appreciate Jeff Thornhill. We appreciate TaylorMade Golf. The next level of TaylorMade for you is try the golf ball. Send me an email, j at jdelsongolf.com. We will send you, your name is drawn, we will send you a dozen TP5 golf balls for free. I want to thank Bob and Kathy Donahue at Donahue Painting and Refinishing, 314-805-2132. If you need help on the inside of your home, the outside of your home, anywhere, these folks, they're terrific. Give them a call. First of all, you'll love them as people. Second of all, you won't believe the work they do. 314-805-2132. All right, Pearlie, Tom Watson. Wow. Well, just fantastic. Another superstar, somebody that we looked up to forever. Hey, I just want to throw one piece out there. I can remember caddying for you in, uh, I believe it was Grand Lake, Michigan, Warwick Hills. He was playing as well. It was one of the first times I ever caddied for you. And we crossed paths with him. He had actually hit it into your fairway or almost to your fairway, kind of the rough where he had to hit the next one through the trees. He tried to hit the next one and hit another tree, and then I kind of kept an eye on him, and he hit another tree after that. And I can remember thinking to myself, I thought he never hit a bad shot. It was my first understanding that all of you guys are human, but some of you guys are just able to hold it together and be able to pull it out a little bit more often, but all you guys missed. But that was my first inter- interaction with Tom Watson. I can remember getting to play. There was a time in the late 80s where I sought out all the best players in the world and wanted to play with them. I played with Norm and I played with Watson. I played with all these guys that were leading the money list in practice rounds so that when I got to play with them in the competition, I wouldn't be so, I didn't want to be in awe of them, you know, because Pearl, it was, it was really weird when you're suddenly teeing it up with, say, one of your boyhood idols. I can remember the first time I played with Ben Crenshaw. I was like, damn, man, you got to be kidding me. I'm playing with Gentle Ben and, and I watch him roll the putter and things like that. And then playing with Greg Norman, the way he drove the ball, it can completely whack you out of your comfort zone. Tell us about asking those guys to be able to play with them because they, they had groups they wanted to play with. They're trying to play with somebody better than them. How did you go about asking some of that to get in those in the mix to play some of the practice rounds with those different guys? Are you trying to insinuate that I wasn't better than them? I was trying to speak quickly around that so that you wouldn't point that out, but 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 you you didn't let me do it. So, but but how did that go? And did anybody ever big time you and uh, and and not accept your invitation or turn you down at some time? Well, for the most part, I went you know, through friends and stuff like that. So we set up a game. Uh, I'll tell you a, a, a quick story about Greg Norman round of golf at the Players' Championship. I forget what year it was in the early 90s. It was Steve Pate, myself, Brad Faxon, and the Shark. And Shark was world number one at the time. We throw up 
balls, and I think it's Faxon and I against Peyton Shark. And we're playing a $100 no bogey, so whoever makes Yikes. Yikes. No, no bogey. Pater's, Pater's top dog in the, in the world at that time, too. So you and Fax have your hands full on that match. Yeah, I was the redheaded stepchild of the group, no question about it. We got the best putter maybe of all time. We got world number one, and we got the volcano. I didn't even have a nickname. I took care of my no bogey on like the third hole, made a bogey, and people started dropping off. But I can tell you, Fax and I put it to them. Long story short, after the front nine, we are two units up and Shark quits. Oh, boy. And do you think he paid? I'm going to guess. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. No. 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 He's like crime. He's just like crime. He doesn't pay. And so I'm like, that sucks. And I had another few things that I think I might have said to Bader, who was laughing because you knew he wasn't going to (laughs) pay. Oh, my gosh. That's brutal. Yep. I didn't think that happened out there. I didn't think that was allowed to happen. I think Fax and I might have uh, uh, shamed Pater into a few dollars and nobody ever got any money out of Norman <laughs> uh, for, for sure. But um, I got to play with Tom Watson. Uh, the group that we had was Tom Watson, Lanny Watkins, Bobby Watkins, and myself. And where did we play, Pearl? Riviera. What a mm. what a day that was. I'll never forget. Uh, I was so fired up. Bobby Watkins and I played the two Hall of Famers. And we won. Wow. Awesome. We won about 80 awesome. bucks. We won about 80 bucks. And, they, and yes, they did pay. Pearl, I was firing. I was in a very confident mode at that time. And I was, you know, and I knew Riviera well from the, our college days. So it was a fun. What a great place. What a great place that is. What a great memory for you to, to look back on that type of, of a match. Because you would, because Bobby Watkins, that was a, that was a character. That, that, there's a journeyman character different game right there for sure actually pearl i'm wrong it was lanny and i versus bobby and uh and tom you know pearl this is when i just finished i think i finished 15th on tour the year before and putting and like 30th i was extremely confident with my putts and i was hitting a lot of putts firm so i had a lot of four three and four and five footers out there and Lanny was like, dude, what are you doing? And I, and I just end up there and knock him in. He's like, oh, okay, that's what you're doing. I can remember coming down 18, we had a couple of presses going on, and I made a nice little 12-footer. You know, that 18th hole at Riviera is not easy. We plotted down there so many times at UCLA, We most of those breaks. So, yeah, it was really a fun memory. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. All right, so, John, before we get into the Tom Watson, let's talk a little bit about our golf games. Your game for the people. We'll use you as an example, and let's start on the putting green. How are you putting? I'm putting pretty... Actually, I'm always starting on the putting green. As I told you, when I was in Arizona, running Florida, I was putting a lot, practicing a lot. I was getting quite diligent about it, and it's absolutely paid off. For the first time in years, I'm actually seeing seeing and sensing my line quite well. Uh, some of the drills that you've given me, the uh, having the, the line around the equator of the golf ball so that I can see if my roll's true. I do uh, a, a drill with a yardstick to understand my path, my, the squareness of my blade. So I've been very diligent, and I'm, I've, I'll be honest with you, I might have too big a hopes on how I putt this year because I think I'm off to a fantastic start. But you are, and folks, so here's what we want you to do on the putting green. Start with the clock drill. Start at two feet three or four, let's just go three balls, three balls around the hole. So you're going to have each one of these two feet away from the hole. You're going to probably have a little one that's a little left to right, one that's a little right to left, and one that'll be straight. Knock those three in. If you miss, you have to start over. That's the key about this drill, and I'll tell you why that's important. Then after you knock those first three two-footers in, go to three feet and knock those in. And then once you do that, you're going to wrap it up with four footers and it gets dicey it gets dicey but the 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 most crucial part of this drill is your focus and you're going to stand over that last four footer knowing that if i knock this in i get to go do something else and you're going to put pressure on yourself and your focus is going to be there and you're going to need to figure out how to get yourself in the state of mind to knock that putt in that's a big big deal the other thing that's really cool that i told pearly to do is put a stripe around the equator of your ball if you're playing a titleist if you're playing a, a tailor-made a tp5 you could put take a little black or a colored sharpie and just put a line over that uh stamp 
all right, and then get off to the side of the green, line that thing up so that it's straight up and down on the ground, and then put your blade behind it and putt. Do not putt to a hole. Just putt. Just roll. Just roll this ball, and let's see how well that ball stripes. We want that ball rolling end over end, and it will give you confidence to know that you're striking that ball correctly. Hey, Jay, that, that stripe around the equator is one of the aiming aids, if you will. But what do you think about the yardstick or some other aiming aids about, about your shoulders, your hips, your feet being squared up, uh, the blade being squared up, understanding, being able to see what path you need to be uh, swinging that putter head on? Do you have any advice for just kind of the basic alignment issues for early early in the year. Yeah, if you have a, um, <clears throat> you can even use the shaft of a golf club because it's pretty, uh, it's it's going to be very straight to, to kind of help you with your path. You can also, one of my favorite training aids is the putting arc uh, and it's ARC and it is really a great little uh, device because you can either use the toe or the heel of your putter, and it'll track you and help you take your stroke ever so slightly on the inside, but without too much face rotation. Folks, that's where people's trains fall off the track with their putting. They get that face rotating open and closed way too much. So we're going to keep it really, really square. And on this arc, on path, square to your path, which is going to be ever so slightly inside, not very much off that line. That's what I would do. I would go next, John, then we want to go for 50 yards out. We want to go just off the green, hit some chips, and I'm going to call a chip about a five-yard area, maybe 15 feet off the green with no rough. So we're going to take you know, maybe an eight iron, maybe a nine iron, maybe a pitching wedge. Actually, you can take whatever club you're most confident with and basically use that same stroke, get the ball position correct. We want your hands on the front edge of the ball and want the ball towards the middle of your stance. Really, really basic. Guys, here's the other thing. And John, you just mentioned it with your putting, but throughout your bag, we want your feet, your knees, your hips, and your shoulders and forearms stacked on top of each other. I'll mention the forearms separately, but we want hip, feet down first, knees straight above, hips on top of that, and your shoulders in a line so that you are stacked. And for the most part, folks, right-handed players address the golf ball with their shoulders too open or pointing to the left, don't they, John? Yes, they absolutely do. Big, a big problem. It's one of those things. It's hard to give people absolutes when you're teaching golf, especially not seeing them. But, John, that is a universal problem. I would say nine out of ten golfers that are right-handed have. Well, the chipping is so important. Last week uh, we heard from Ted Scott talking about Scotty Scheffler and the immense amount of time and effort takes to do his pitching and chipping and that's what you're discussing now and then we get we're going to get to listen to an interview with tom watson one of the all-time great pitchers and chippers and again that spent a boatload of time doing it just super important i am going to leave it with chipping and putting today and then we are going to catch up next week on uh, pitching the golf ball and hitting some fuller shots and the driver all right because we can't gloss over those. If we have enough time later in the show, we'll cover it. But right now, we're just going to leave that for next week. Pearl, we got to do the tip of the cap segment. Have you got any um, any ideas on who we're tipping our cap to this week? Let's tip our cap to uh, the, the the sport of baseball that's also getting going in the spring and, uh, and, and making spring sports, spring in general, ushering in the spring golf all together. Sports are alive and well, and it's a great time of year. Baseball's the first love of my life. I absolutely love it. The tip of the cap is brought to you by the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood and my friend Colin Byrne, 314-966-0303. You can also see Brandy over there. You can see Bill Van Owen. He's another great guy, part of that team over there. If you need anything, Jay at jdelsingolf.com. Email me. I will personally introduce you to those guys. Baseball, the crack of the bat, America's pastime. The, we're, we're able to watch the games in person. It's a great time of year. Lots of baseball to watch this year. And I want to thank Dean Team, Volkswagen of Kirkwood, 314-966-0303. And Colin, thanks for supporting the show. Pearl, we are going to be right back with our interview with the great Tom Watson. This is Golf with Jay Delson.
On the Range with Jay Delsing is brought to you by TaylorMade. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. The front nine is coming up. I want to tell you about my friends and longtime supporters of this show, Marcone. Yes, they are incredible community stewards. Yes, they are the largest distributors of GE appliance parts in North America. What you don't know, they are spearheading, led by owner and St. Louis and Jim Sowers, a new service dog program with and in conjunction with David Faraday and the 24-7 Battle Buddy program. Jim and Mar- Marcone are ensuring that a minimum of two service dogs a year will get partnered with a veteran hero in need. These dogs are expertly trained, connected with their veteran master, and then magic starts to happen. These dogs are retrained to meet the specific needs of their warrior and to help them successfully navigate everyday life. You can learn more on Facebook at Troops First 24-7 Battle Buddies or reach out to me at j at jdelsinggolf.com and I will fill you in on more of this program. How would you like access to 90 holes of golf? Well, that's what happens when you join at Whitmore Country Club. You get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And guess what? No cart fees included in that deal. There's no food and beverage minimums. There's no assessments. They have a 24-hour fitness center, two large pool complexes, three tennis courts. Year-round social calendar includes holiday parties, picnics, date nights, live music. They even have a kids club for your children and much, much more. There's junior golf, junior tennis, and swim teams available. This is a family-friendly atmosphere, and they have a wonderful staff. If you get out there, you got to poke your head in the golf shop and say hello to my friend Bummer. He is a terrific guy, and he will help you with your game and show you around. And don't forget, there are golf leagues, skins games, members tournaments, and couples events available all year round. Visit WhitmoreGolf.com. That's WhitmoreGolf.com. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. For golf tips, news on the latest equipment, and everything golf, log on to golfwithjdelsing.com. The Front Nine is coming up. Hey, this is Jay Delsing for SSM Health Physical Therapy. Our golf program has the same screening techniques and technology as the pros on the PGA Tour use. SSM Health Physical Therapy has the Titleist Performance Institute trained physical therapists that can perform the TPI screening on you as well as use the KVEST 3D motion capture system. Proper posture, alignment, etc., can help you keep your game right down the middle. We have 80 locations in the St. Louis area. Call 800-518-1626 or visit them on the web at SSMPhysicalTherapy.com. Your therapy, our passion. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. The Front Nine is presented by the Ascension Charity Classic, September 5th through the 11th at Norwood Hills Country Club. For tickets, ascensioncharityclassic.com. Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got Pearly with me. We are jumping on to the Front Nine, and it's brought to you by the Ascension Charity Classic, September 6th through 11th, Norwood Hills. Don't forget about the Advocate PGA Tour event at Glen Echo that same week. Lots of great golf up in North County. Guys, we're going to my interview with the great Tom Watson. 77 worldwide wins, eight major championships, 39 PGA Tour wins. Enjoy this interview. Tom Watson. Tom, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Jay. Thanks so much for joining me today, Tom. Gosh, one of the thrills of doing this show, I've had the privilege of interviewing a couple Hall of Famers like yourself and looking over your career, Tom, 78 worldwide wins, eight major championships, 39 PGA Tour wins, Hall of Fame member, six-time player of the year. I could go on and on and on. What a phenomenal career you've had. Well, I'm playing a game for a living. Yeah, you you know what it's like. I played golf with you on the tour. And we were out there just trying to, we're, we're just trying to be the best we could be out there. It was really fun, Tom, for me, especially I can remember the first time I got to play with you. We were playing in a practice round at Riviera with Lanny and Bobby Watkins. And I was just, I just couldn't stop looking at you all day, watching your swing, watching your putting stroke, because I got to grow up, you know, watching you win the Masters, watching you with the, the duel in the sun. And, and then getting to walk down the fairways was a hell of a thrill for me. 
there was a lot of water under the bridge. Uh, you know, when, when you go you know, when you play the PGA Tour with lots of different players and personalities. That when I first started out there, you know, the, the players that I came out to uh, to try to emulate were Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer, Lee Trevino, Johnny Miller. Uh, those are the players that, uh, yeah, Sam Snead actually, you know, the slam and Sam was still playing the tour Jay when I started in 1971 and I had a chance to play with Sam a few times. I remember one, one day we, we were prepared in the last round at the LA open Riviera and we came to the fourth hole there and, uh, I hit a four wood. I cut a forward into that right to left green. And I made a hole in one. And old Sam's a nice <laughs> shot, son. But I remember why it was so neat because it was on the fourth hole. It was in the fourth round. I was playing with the McGregor four to go four under. So it's all fours on that, on that particular <laughs> hole. The, the stars were aligned. Tom, I've played that hole probably 300 times, and I don't know if I've hit the green, you know, half a dozen. That is one hell of a tough hole. It is. Well, I always tried to play a cut shot into that green because if you hit a hook and hit that uh, right to left green, it would go right on over. Every single time. Yeah, it really did. I struggled with that Kikuya grass, too, being a Midwestern guy. But, Tom, so talk a little bit about growing up in Kansas City and how the game. One of the things that I've loved to talk to you great champions about is, do you remember back when the game bit you? And and I know the way you are, and you're super competitive and kept in good shape. And I know you're still; it still has a hold of you to some degree now. Well, I started. My dad started me in the game, Jay. Like most uh, players uh, uh, on the tour, there. My dad, who was a very good amateur player, started me and and taught me the fundamentals of the grip and stance. Uh, and, you know, keeping my head still when I, when I, when I, I swung the golf club and then finishing with my belly button facing the hole, that was the key because that got your hips turning through the impact and speeded up your arms and it gave you the, it gave you an essence of acceleration and power. So that's what, that was the first lesson. But then we, you know, we started playing golf out there and we'd play, we played winter rules in the fairway. So if, you know, if you hit the ball in the fairway and it, and the fairways weren't very good and, and uh, you could move it to a good lie in the rough. You played it down, but the, you know, remember we played winter rules. And then, then when the fairways got better, we just, we just played some rules. You played down all the time. I think that's a, you know, that's a healthy way to start uh, young people. You don't force them to play the ball down all the time. Heck you even put it on tees for, for p- players that are just starting. And I, uh, you know, I think that was, you know, part of me uh, enjoying the game. Uh, yeah, of course I'll enjoy the game because I was, playing with my dad but i also had some other kids i was playing with uh but the most important thing is my older brother rich he was three years older than i was and you know how brothers are just slightly competitive <laughs> and three years older three years stronger i always wanted to beat my older brother and that was that was always when i went out there uh it was always to try to beat my older brother and in a few years i uh, I, I, I did it, but, uh, uh, you know, that inspired me, you know, you play with players better than yourself and you'll learn to be a better player. Promise you. You won four state AMS amateur titles in the state of Missouri. Then you went and got a scholarship to Stanford. Tell us a little bit about, no, I didn't get a scholarship. I did not get a scholarship to Stanford. Wow. Golf helped me get in. You know, it was one of the reasons I got in, but I, you know, they didn't have much. Money I was going to say they must not have had them back, back then. Back if then. you didn't get you know one, how much money they had in the golf budget back then, Jay, $8,000 was the total budget they had for the whole, the, the entire men's golf team. And they didn't even have a woman's golf team. Wow. How things have changed. That was 1967. 68. Man, I can't believe if someone like you didn't get a scholarship, they just didn't have scholarships, man. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But did you play a lot of table tennis as well? No, that was, I don't, that got on my resume, I guess, when I first came on the tour and they said, what are your hobbies? Well, I just kind of got out of college. I played some uh, table tennis and ping pong, but I'm not any good at it. Uh And it's always stuck there. And I get that question all the time. I'm sorry that I brought that up. No, no. (laughs) No, the uh, the kids can beat my butt in ping pong. I promise you. Oh man, those guys are are. So I did play a lot of pool. I love to play pool and billiards. Three cushion billiards uh, is 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 the game I played around town here. That was fun. Tom, you're a competitive guy. You're going to get into anything that somebody challenges you to, aren't you? And just like any kid, we like we like to play games. 
And as I said, uh, I've said many times, I mean, how lucky have I been in my life to be able to play a game for a living? It's not going to work. It's going out to the golf course. That's not work. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, that, that, that's a game. And it's a, it's a pleasure. Now, sometimes when you're not playing very well and you're, and you're hacking it around and you're trying to get better and it's a, it's a frustrating game. You know, the frustration, and we all know the frustration that, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, the game is, is, is tough on us, but it is, it, it's not work because you, you're always trying to improve. You know, sometimes you just fail. You fail sometimes for a long period of time. Like I did in the late eighties and early nineties until I found, found a, uh, a secret to my golf swing. And then uh, everything was, uh, everything flowed from there. It was wonderful. Tom, before we talk about that, 1973, you met Bruce Edwards at Norwood Hills. Bruce was one of the greatest, nicest, cordial guys I'd ever met when I got on tour. Always treated me well. Well, Bruce was, uh, he was liked by, by everybody. He was, uh, uh, he was a wonderful guy, had a great sense of humor, and he loved the caddy. He had a passion for a caddy, and he did it the right way. And he helped other young, young caddies who came on the tour He'd take him under his wing and say, all right, here's the ropes. Here's what is is expected of you out here. And uh, he did that with a number of uh, uh, caddies when they came on the tour. Yeah, and I know how involved you are in the um, in the ALS and raising money. We did a little thing together not too long ago here in St. Louis that raised some, some real valuable money for the for that tough disease. Yeah, that uh, – uh, yeah, ALS, the or is commonly known the Lou Gehrig's disease is a is a uh, muscle wasting disease. It's a neuro it's a neuron disease that uh, your neurons start to die and then your muscles die and then uh, you basically uh, you know die of attrition. Um, and there's just there's no known cure and there's no known substance that will even slow it down. That's the problem. We continue to raise funds to, for research, and that's all we can do. With, and uh, we, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little bit frustrated right now and impatient with the, uh, the fact that they haven't found anything in, in the, in the, you know, well, nearly 17 or 18 years when I've been actively involved in, in, with ALS. I told Bruce when he died, before he died, three weeks before he died, I said, Bruce, I will, I will you know, give my life uh, to try to find a cure for ALS. Uh, and I, I continue to do that. Tom, talk a little bit about your relationship with Byron Nelson. I know that coming off the U.S. Open in 74 at Wingfoot, and what a what a tough test that is. Tell us a little bit about how the influence and, and how Byron helped you, and what a tremendous ambassador for the game of golf Mr. Nelson was, too. Holy smokes. Byron goes back a long way. My dad, who was a, uh, he was a golf historian. He, he, his favorite golfer on the tour was Sam Snead. He loved Sam's swing, his uh, power, his, his rhythm, um, over Hogan and over Nelson. He always said Nelson had that dip in his, swing. well, but little did dad, dad know that that dip in his swing kept the club head square through impact longer than either, uh, Snead or Hogan did. Uh, and Byron hit the ball straighter than anybody. Uh, but, you know, be that as it may, I, I got to know Byron by, you know, first of all, he was on TV as a, uh, as a, uh, as a commentator, a, an analyst. And he, and uh, when I got on the tour, I remember him coming out at Doral. I, he was doing the commentary at Doral during the pro-am. He walked out there and he, uh, he was walking the 17th hole. And, and uh, that was my second year on tour or something like that. And he just said, he came up and walked up to me and said, Tom, I'd like to meet you. And I said, well, Byron, I'd, I, it's my honor to meet you. And, and we, we hit it off right off the bat. And, uh, and then in 74, as you related to, uh, I shot 79, the final round of our national open at Wingfoot. And you're right about the golf course. I still think it's day in and day out the toughest test of golf in the country. But uh, you know, there may be other courses that are tougher, but boy, it's a tough golf course. But he came in. After I shot 79 to the locker room, I was up uh, after I finished, uh, after I finished commiserating with John Mahaffey and, and they came into the upper locker room up there and he, you know, they had swinging doors and he just looked over the swinging doors and said, Tom, could I speak with you for just five minutes? <laughs> and every, the place went silent and I said, sure. And so we went up, we went back in the corner of the locker room and he just, 
Uh, he just wanted to say that he was impressed about the way, uh, not only how I played, but how I, I conducted myself and that it, if any time in the future, uh, uh, yeah, I would, I would like to work with him on my golf swing. He's, he'd be open to that, to come down to Roanoke, Texas, to his fairways ranch. And he could, I could stay there and, and, uh, and, and we could work on the game and just you know, be together. Uh, it took me a couple of years to, to, to uh, take him up on the offer. And, uh, in the fall of 76, I went down there and, uh, and got to got a chance to work with him my golf swing and and uh, from then on it just blossomed our our relationship blossomed he his wife uh, Louise had a terrible stroke Byron did not leave her side for two years and I went down uh, countless times just to be with him uh, as he was living in the house there with with Louise and and uh, uh, just he was a, he, he was a great friend a mentor and a great storyteller you know what I love most about Byron was uh, his genuineness, uh, his his passion for the game, his passion for life, his passion for his religion. Um, he, he had great passion for all, and uh, he and, and little did people know he was a real hand. He loved to he loved to show off his golf his golf skills. And even as an older age, I'd, every now and then we'd be doing an exhibition, and I and he'd be over there and say at 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 the Byron Nelson Golf Classic at Preston Trail. And I was doing an exhibition for these kids, and and uh, I, I and Byron was standing there, and I said, "Kids, I want you to meet one of the greatest players of all time right here, the namesake of the tournament, uh, Mr. Byron Nelson." And I said, "Byron, come on out here. You're going to hit drivers off the deck here." And so, <laughs> it's a driver off the deck, it drivers off the deck, and I said, "Kids, watch this." And I don't think I don't think it impressed the kids much, but the parents around there it impressed. So I said, "All right, Byron, I want you to do three things: three balls. I want you to I want you to cut one, I want you to hook one, and I want you to hit one dead straight with the driver off the deck, no tee." And he did it perfectly, all three of them. He just loved. He get that that grin on his face after he did that, and, and uh, you know it was just wonderful. And he he loved to ham it up and and do that and. And, you know, I, I was around him a bunch, uh, you know, working with my golf swing with him and he'd hit balls. And, and I, I, I was always in amazement how straight and through impact, how solid he hit the ball. I was just, I, I just couldn't carry his shoes, not even close. Oh my gosh, Tom, when I think about hitting these, those old wooden drivers with a sweet spot, the size of an eraser head off the deck, I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, he was uh, he was probably the best long iron player in the game. It's just he just hit it so solid and so straight. He didn't hit take the deep divots like Hogan did or Sam or Sneed did. He, he he hit the those dollar bill divots, just real skinny, you know, square, you know, square divots. Uh, and it was just wonderful. You know, he, he did it all the way through his, all this, from the chipping all the way through the driver. It was it was wonderful to watch. I remember getting to talk to the great Jack Nicholson. Jack said about you, you were the best bad weather player he'd ever met. And then I also wanted to ask you, Tom, a little bit about Lynx golf. You're regarded as one of the top Lynx players of all time. Five open championships, three on the senior circuit. Talk to us a little bit about the bad weather and a little bit about Lynx golf. I know how how dear it is to your heart bad weather player is, is pretty simple for me i i practiced in it here in kansas city uh off off season i mean in kansas city and you know st louis i mean it gets uh you know, you know we get snow we get frozen greens we get frozen temperatures and if you're going to practice you got to do it you know snow was was it was an issue although i did practice in the snow lost half my golf ball <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was uh, uh it was something we had a bunch of crazy idiots here uh, at the club that I played golf and they would play in any weather. We'd get up and we'd play a game called birdie bogey, which was a stable for type of game. And, you know, you know, even with the bad, even if it was a terrible weather, we'd have at least two groups out there playing in this game. 
And uh, Stan Thirsk, who's the pro of the Kansas City Country Club, Stan always played. He was just uh, one of the finest gentlemen and one of the great players, unsung great players that I've ever met in my life. And we'd go out and play and uh, in the cold weather. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I was a hunter and I still am. In fact, I was turkey hunting this morning. Uh, it wasn't very cold, but uh, the, uh, you know, the weather, you, you learn to dress for it. You learn to dress for uh, cold weather. And and uh, a lot of the kids uh, in California and, and Florida, they didn't really like cold weather very much. They, you know, it shortened up their swings, made them go faster. Heck, I practiced in it and played in it all the time. But then the on for, you know going on to Lynx golf, I think I get that question a lot, Jay, about you know, why was I so successful at Lynx golf? Well, yeah, I, I was I, I get actually got lucky to win two of my Open Championships, um, and uh, but one of the things that I did very well, uh, and you, you saw it with Seve, and you you see it with uh, actually you saw it with Scotty Scheffler in the final round of the Masters this year, is my up and down skills. I was a great putter, uh, but I also could, you know, I, I could get the ball up and down out of the bunkers, chipping the ball. And when you play links golf courses, as you well know, you're going to miss more greens there because the greens are so hard and firm and the ball you know, bounces so much. You're going to miss the greens and you better be able to get the ball up and down. And uh, that was right in my wheelhouse, my forte. Tom, I can remember uh, your close friend and my dear friend, Andy North, taking me kind of under his wing when I first got on tour because we were kind of built the same way. Yeah, and he, yeah. he would always tell me about, you got to go play with Tom. You won't believe how good he is around the greens with the wedges. And he used to teach me and show me stuff. And he always talked about, uh, about your ability. You, you were so underrated with that wedge. Everybody knew what a great putter you were, but you got the ball. Uh, he said you could get the ball up and down from a trash can and half the time you never had to take the lid off of it. <laughs> well, the, uh, I practiced, you know, when I was a kid, I practiced around the greens all the time. And I, I, and I, I make this suggestion to, to, People who ask me, what should I, you know, how much do you practice your short game and long game? I practice my short game more than my long game. You know, as a kid, you get, you got direct results from your short game. You know, when you're a kid and you don't hit it very far, you know, practicing hitting a driver or, or an iron doesn't get it. So, but hitting the ball from around the green and getting the ball close uh, you can do that as a kid. You don't have, have to have strength. You just have to have technique and touch and feel. And I did that all the time. Uh, you know, there was a practice green around the club there that uh, it was uh, it was elevated. It had a deep pit to the right, and it, was, it had uh, a couple of bunkers in it and a couple of flags in it. And I practiced in that all the time. The other thing I did, though, uh, honestly, uh, was even before I started doing that, was I. I, you know, I went to the putting clock and I putted around the putting clock all the time. And that was, uh, you know, it was easy for a kid to do. You don't have to, you know, you know, uh, you know, you didn't have to have your own balls, you know, you go out and you know, hit balls and, and, uh, you know, that, in fact, I didn't have any balls. Dad had a, he had a practice bag that he, he, he would use, but he wouldn't let me use those. <laughs> Uh, so I practiced around the greens. I practiced on the putting clock. I played games on the putting clock. We had nine holes in the putting clock. I'd take three balls and I'd go around uh, from you know, starting uh, uh, from nine to one and they go you know, one all the way to nine uh, and with three balls. And my and I, I got good enough where I my goal was to put around that clock with three balls being nine under par. I mean, I had to make nine aces out of 27 attempts on that putting clock. Then I, when I did that, I, I would reverse it because then you reverse the brakes and I do that. And it gets back to the, you know, the essence of learning how to play the game or playing the game of golf is you, you play from the hole back. You play, your putting is first, first and foremost, you've got to learn how to putt and have the feel for distance and the understanding of, of break uh, and slope. Uh, I remember the lesson that uh, Harvey Penny gave Ben Crenshaw. Dad, his dad took him out for his first lesson. I don't know what age Ben was, but uh, Mr. Penny said, Ben, I want you to take that seven iron and your putter. I want you to go over that green over there 
and I want you to chip, take one ball and I want you to chip that ball to a hole in the green and then go put it in. He did that for, for two months before the next lesson from, our, <laughs> from Mr. Phoenix. Ben said, you know what he was doing? Very simply, he was teaching how he was teaching him how to play golf. What the essence of the game was is it's the hole. Your essence is to get as close to the hole or in the hole as possible with every stroke in the bag. But you start short. You start short with kids, and you get them and you get them around the greens, and it, and that's uh, yeah, that's how I did. Plus, I, I was somewhat competitive when we had a junior program there, and I had a bunch of older guys, five years old or six, and they they get on the putting green and they putt for dimes. Well, they they asked me, "Do you want to putt for dimes in there?" I said, "Yeah, let me go." <laughs> See, I didn't didn't have but thirty cents in my pocket, I think something like that. And so we went around there, and I didn't lose the first time around. I said, I like this. <laughs> and so I went on that putting pot clock all the time so I could beat these older guys putting, which I did. And I got to be a good putter really early. I bet they didn't ask you all the time after that then, did they? Well, I, I, I broke a lot of people's hearts. Then <laughs> on the tour was my putter, I could guarantee you. That's going to wrap up the front nine, but don't go anywhere. We're going to go to the back nine and the second half of our interview with the great Tom Watson. This is Golf with Jay Delson. Folks, do you need a new car, truck, or SUV? Then the Dean team of Kirkwood is the place for you to go. 314-966-0303 and go see Colin Byrne. He just got me into a new SUV and I love it. Boy, did they make the experience painless and super, super easy. Most dealers don't have any cars in their lots But at Dean Team of Kirkwood, Colin has an entire parking lot full of new and used cars. You don't want a VW? That's no problem. They have Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, anything you want. Colin and the Dean Team of Kirkwood will go get it if they don't have it. Call them at 314-966-0303 or go to deanteamvwkirkwood.com. The Dean Team for all your car buying needs. Folks, are you in the market for some additional protection for your ride? You need to call my friends at Vehicle Assurance. Their number is 866-341-9255. Sherry Fain is the owner and president, and she and her team are committed to helping you with your unexpected auto repair bills. They are committed to finding the right protection for you, your budget, and your family. They only work with the top vehicle service providers in the country. Get the protection and the peace of mind you deserve. That's Vehicle Assurance, 866-341-9255 for a free quote. 866-341-9255. Hey, St. Louis, the Ascension Charity Classic, presented by Emerson, is back this September. Don't miss the excitement when the PGA Tour Champions Best compete again, all for charity, September 9th through the 11th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Pro-Am spots, hospitality packages, VIP tickets, and more. Available now at ascensioncharityclassic.com. I want to tell you about a family-owned and operated golf business that's been right here in St. Louis for over 40 years. I'm talking about Pro-Am Golf Center. That's right, Pro-Am Golf Center. I know you know the name, but I'm not sure you know what they really have to offer. They have everything a seasoned golfer like myself could need, all the way down to what a beginner would want. Pro-Am Golf Center has the lowest price in the area for custom club fitting. I just went and visited CJ. He is terrific. If you call them now, mention my name, Jay Delson, you will receive a discount on that already low club fitting price. Their number is 314-647-8054. Ask for CJ. Or you can visit them at ProAmGolfUSA.com. That's ProAmGolfUSA.com. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. To learn more about the game of golf, latest equipment, and golfing tips, log on to JayDelsingGolf.com. The Back Nine is presented by ProAmGolf. Hey, welcome back. This is Jay Delsing. Pearlie's with me. We're headed to the back nine. It's brought to you by our friends at Pro-Am Golf. Get it fitted. Get fitted. Get fitted. Call CJ. You can reach out to him at 314-647-8054. You can visit them at ProAmGolfUSA.com. We are going to the second half 
of Tom Watson. Tom, you had some great duels with Jack Nicholas in 1977 with the Masters in the Open Championship. I look back at how close you guys are. It's something so special about this game, the gentlemanly nature of it, where you want to beat each other's brains in, but then you guys have remained friends throughout all of these different scenarios. Well, yeah, I think uh, those those two events uh, kind of solidified at respect and the friendship between us. And it just blossomed uh, year, you know, from then on uh, in 77 when I won the Masters, but you know, particularly when I won the, uh, the Open Championship at Turnberry that summer, the duel in the sun, as they call it, when we played the last 36 holes together. And, and uh, it was a shootout, basically. Jack got up th- by three after four holes in the final round at, uh, at Turnberry, and then I tied him at by eight, and then he went up by two, by 12. Then I made a no-brainer at, at 15 to tie, and you get back to a tie after birdieing 13, and then he missed a short, shortish putt on the, on the 17th hole, and I took a one-shot lead, and then the last hole, he made that darn 30-footer that forced me to make my short putt for birdie to win by a shot. And when he walked off the green with me, he grabbed me by around the neck, Jay, and he said to me, he said, Tom, I gave him my best shot, but it wasn't good enough. Congratulations. I'm really proud of it, and I'm happy for you. And when it came from the best player that maybe ever played, arguably ever played the game, you know, it gave me, you know, it gave me the feeling that you know what, if I can beat Jack Nicholas, I can beat them all. It really, and you know, my career really took off after that. I really had a, a, a really, uh, really great uh, career for for about four or five years, six years after that. And then you topping it with a win at, at Pebble Beach and the phenomenal little pitch that you that you hold on on 17, and then you wound up birdie and 18 right on top of it. And who's the first person we see behind the 18th green at Pebble Beach when you've just won the U.S. Open? It was Jack, but I tell you the, the – I tell you the conversation and it goes related back to that long putt, that no brainer that I at Turnberry in 77 that I made from off the 15th green to tie him. I chipped the ball into 17 birdie 18. He's waiting for me off the green. He's got this really gruff look on his face. He grabs me by the shoulders and he said, you little son of a bee. You did it to me again. You did it to me again. And then he smiled and he said, I'm really, really happy for you. Congratulations. You needed to win the U.S. Open. thought that was uh, so big of him to, uh, to to wait for me and say that to me, even though I know I broke his heart, broke his heart by chipping the ball in. He was, he was standing there with Jack Whitaker on the, on the 18th hole after he finished. He finished before me, and they saw where I hit the ball at 17 and the left rough uh, with a very – well, let's put it this way. It wasn't impossible, but it was a very difficult chip shot up uh, off a downslope out of heavy rough to a downslope green. Both Jack Whitaker and Jack looked at that, and, and, and Jack Whitaker kind of smiled and said, Jack, what's it going to feel like to win your fifth U.S. Open championship? And before Jack could answer, the roar went up when I chipped it in. <laughs> and Jack, Jack kind of goes turns around toward the 17th hole, and he's what's that? one of the things that's always impressed me about you is there is a what i call a watson character you have you're undeniably scrupulously honest about penalties you've called a penalty on yourself i don't know how many times one event the ball was sitting in i think it was i think it was either the u.s open or the british open you're in you know weeds that are probably up to your waist you call a penalty on yourself because the ball somehow moved. I also remember what you did for Ian Woosom in the 91 Masters because he was catching a lot of heckle from, from the crowd, and you didn't you didn't stand for that at all. And it goes on and on. You called out Tiger Woods. You've done a lot of things like that, Tom. I, I so admire that. I think that, you know, the game is bigger than any one person. I think that uh, you know, people who play the game, there's, you know, there's a, Jay, there's a certain etiquette. And, you know, right now this world doesn't seem like it has a lot of etiquette anymore, sadly. Uh, you know, the, the disrespect that people have for each other. The game of golf, though, there's still an element, a fundamental element of respect for the people that you're, with whom you're playing and in the game itself. And play by the rules. Uh, take your hat off of the 18th hole and, and shake the hand of your fellow competitors, whether they beat you or you beat them, and do the right things when you're on the golf course. That's why I think the game is the best game there is because it, you know, you play with the respect, you you play it honestly. That's uh, what I love most about the game of golf. 
person that was just a little younger than you, I looked up to you guys and had felt like this was the torch that was passed down to us that maybe we didn't have the careers, but we could still honor those elements of the game. When I came on the tour, I, I always tried to gravitated to the players who were the older players who were out there. I became friends with with uh, Ken Venturi and Bob Murphy's a little bit more my my era, but you know, Bob and I became very close friends and yeah, got to know you know the players out there, the the Dan Sykes, the uh, uh, Bert Yancey's, the of course you know Jack and Arnie, not, not Arnie so much. You know, Arnie, I played with him just a few times, but. Uh, but Arnie and I, you know, over the years, especially when we, we played the senior skins games together, got to know Arnie really well then. I respected those guys, and, I, you know, I, I respected their uh, what they had to say to me. I remember, I, remember a, a, I was in the Colonial, playing the Colonial. I, I played a second round. I played a good round. And uh, Chichi Rodriguez was in the, in the locker room. This I played a morning round, and Chichi was in there, and he was effusing over me about saying, Wow, Watson, you know, Tom, you're 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 playing great golf. You're, you're really a great player and all this sort of, sort of stuff. And Julius Boros was sitting at the next table, and he just kind of under his breath, he said, "Yeah, I like to have the money you pissed away." Meaning that I had a lot of times I could win a tournament and I and I blew it. It didn't hurt me by him saying it because it was the truth. I mean, I wish I had not pissed it away. And finally, I learned uh, learned how to win under pressure. Uh, but you know, there. I, I like that about the old guys out there. They're, you know, they're brutally honest. You know, sometimes it's hard to be brutally honest with kids today. Yeah, it's a different world, isn't it? Tom, how about the honorary starter at the Masters? How was that this year with Gary and Jack? It was a it first. It was an honor, you know, first and foremost, to be able to uh, you know, stand up there in the tee with Jack uh, and and Gary. I mean, they you know, they they'd done it for many years, and it was you know, they do it. Uh, because people wanted to see, you know, the, the greats of the past. They wanted to see them in their element. Our memories are standing on that first tee when we had the lead of the tournament or we're trying to win the tournament. You know, they come back to you. You know, we're, we're standing on that tee, and it's it's a great feeling to be on that tee. But uh, knowing that you you're not going to you're not competing anymore, uh, but are, are there to say to the golf world that uh, you know, thank you very much for being our fans and, and uh, coming out and watching us and, and being in the company of Jack and Gary was just uh, was a tremendous honor. All right, Pearl. Wow. That interview was just fantastic. You know, I just love the different types of people you're having on the show. And you always kind of come to me and what was my first takeaway? And I was trying to figure out how to phrase this the right way. And I'm going to just say Tom Watson carries the torch forward for the, for the game of golf. Just, just his class, the respect he has for the game, the players of the game, the history of the game. I think he carries the torch and I think he's a good, uh, a good one to do that for the, for the sport of, uh, of golf, particularly for the PGA Tour. I, I totally agree. He's a high character guy. He's very, very principled. He's not afraid to speak up when it might be uncomfortable. I've had a lot of good tournaments, Pearl, in bad weather. And I always thought it was about attitude and about just embracing where's the weather worse in the, in the entire country than St. Louis most of the time. It's either oppressively hot, stupid cold, or uh, some sort of combination of the two. You know, and I sit there and look at Jack Nicholas called Tom the best bad weather player he had ever seen. You know, I asked Tom about that. And then I, Tom had some really fun takes on a bunch of other things. But every single time I talk to him about growing the game, and he always talks about the grip, John, and getting your hands on the club correctly. It's interesting. You know, Palmer was big on that whole thing, too. Obviously, the grip is important, but... Was that just more of their time that they talked so much about that? Or what do you think about that? I think that's what was drilled down on onto them when they were younger. I think that's what I think too. I think, I think that's too. that that is that was one of the things that was told to them that was crucially important. They've carried that forward. And I think that it's um and you look at those guys and I mean, whose hands held a golf club and looked more comfortable and looked more right, so to speak, 
than a Mr. Arnold Palmer or Mr. Tom Watson. Yeah, and, and they were both quite different. I, I think Tom Watson's swing relative to the weather, uh, I think the the rhythm of his swing was a big deal. He, he had a fairly quick rhythm, and I think that was helpful to him. Yeah, it absolutely was. All right, Pearl, that's going to wrap up the back nine. But don't go anywhere, folks. We are going to break this stuff down on the Michelob Ultra 19th hole. We have more golf with Jay Delson. Powers Insurance is a family-owned agency right here in St. Louis that specializes in providing personalized coverage for the client who has a lot going on. At Powers, they understand that you and your life do not fit in a simple box. So guess what? Neither should your insurance coverage. Go to powersinsurance.com or call 314-725-1414 and ask for Tim Davis. That's powersinsurance.com. Hey, St. Louis, the Ascension Charity Classic, presented by Emerson, is back this September. Don't miss the excitement when the PGA Tour champions best compete again, all for charity, September 9th through the 11th at Norwood Hills Country Club, Pro-Am Spots, hospitality packages, VIP tickets, and more. Available now at ascensioncharityclassic.com. Hey, folks, get this date, June 13th at Norwood Hills Country Club on your calendar. What's so important about June 13th? It's the annual SSM Health Foundation Open. You golfers can tee it up at Norwood Hills. Go to ssmhealth.org. I will be at Norwood that day supporting the cause. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. To learn more about the game of golf, see the latest equipment, get golfing tips from a PGA pro, log on to jdelsinggolf.com. The 19th hole is presented by Michelob Ultra. Hey, welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I got John Perlis with me, and we are headed to the 19th hole. Pearl, go ahead and open one. So, John, I wanted to get back to the Tom Watson thing. How about the fact that Tom Watson, who had won four Missouri Amateur Championships, did not get a golf scholarship? We got in when golf started to matter in college. It had probably mattered for a few years before we got there. But when he's talking about an $8,000, I think he mentioned, full budget. It's just changed absolutely remarkably since then. So I think, I think, and he mentioned it, I think just getting into Stanford, it was his entree into Stanford. He didn't necessarily note that he had a, was a straight A student with high SATs and ACTs. So apparently golf helped get him in there, which is a big deal, but yeah, it's changed. When you look at the budgets that these schools have now, uh, I think in the millions, some of them, no comparison. Gosh, I really wanted to beat Tom Watson. I really wanted to beat him. So the way that we got paired together on Sunday is that we both shot 71 on Saturday. So I thought, oh, man, because Tom made a nice little 12-footer on Saturday to shoot 71. So I I was kind of rooting for him because I thought this will be cool. We'll get to play two days in a row. And then on Sunday, I had about an 8-footer on the last hole to clip him, and I missed that's that's awesome. That's that's just one of those takeaways. But how did you guys play? Was, did you have a good tournament, or was it, did you both have an off day? Oh gosh, uh, I think we both shot even par the second day. I think we probably finished in the middle of the pack. I don't think it was anything. It was definitely not yeah. memorable for him. And I mean, the fact that I made a cut on the PGA Tour was pretty cool. But I don't think any of that was uh, overly memorable. But I just, you know, John, to sit there and play 18 holes with a guy like that, you know, two days in a row, it was really something. It goes in in the in my mind, in the books of the three days in a row, I got to play with Arnold Palmer. You know, and I'm, just, I'm thinking to myself, I'm waking up and I'm showering and getting ready to go out to the golf course because I get to play with Arnold Palmer again today and tomorrow. I mean, that is that's badass stuff. Yeah, all time, all time names. That's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Well, John, that is going to wrap up another show. We got another show in the books, and our golf ball giveaway this week is Jack Collins. Jack, you got a dozen TP5 coming your way. Look for them soon. Pearl, thanks for being with me, and uh, we will be at it again next week. Hit them straight, St. Louis. Hey, do you like wine? Have you heard about the hottest new wine bar in St. Louis? 
It's called Wild Crush Wine Bar, and it's located in town and country on Clayton Road, just behind the Strops. Have you ever experienced self-dispensing wine machines? Well, they are here. The only place in St. Louis and most of Missouri that you'll find them, and it's at Wild Crush. You can choose your size of pour, and Wild Crush will pour the freshest wine in the area for you. The organic argon gas system used at Wild Crush keeps this wine pristinely fresh for up to 60 days. So if you're tired of drinking wine that's been open for a few days, come into Wild Crush for the best and freshest wine selection in the area. Go to wildcrushstl.com and come have one with us. This has been Golf with Jay Delsing. To learn more about Jay and the services he can provide any golfer, visit jdelsinggolf.com. You'll see the latest in golf equipment, get tips from a PGA pro, and you'll learn more about the game of golf. That's jdelsinggolf.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.